0: Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. It has been said quoted and repeated numerous of times. And in fact, it is one of the most trusted statements that can ever be made. And that is, God is good. In fact, if I said to you that God is good, that's a response that normally comes with that. If I said God is good, you would say? And I would respond all the time? When we speak about God's goodness, salvation is the most demonstration, most visible demonstration of God's goodness. We can't earn it. We certainly don't deserve it. I know some of y'all think you do, but you don't. But God blesses us with it anyway in spite of ourselves. Another wonderful part about salvation is that the Lord keeps us even when we mess up. So, so how should we, how are we to respond to God's goodness? The most natural way is worship. Now let me define worship so you understand. Worship is defined as reverence, honor, and respect to God. Thankful worship, then, is not the typical worship of coming to church on Sunday or Wednesday. But it's living a life of thankfulness. As it says on the marquee out there, thanksgiving is thanks living. It's a light that people can see away from the religious or church setting. I mean, we don't curse in church. A lot of other things we don't do in church. But how about what you do when you ain't in church? This really is the thought at the heart of the message in our text. Let's kind of review a little background. Jesus' ministry is at its pinnacle. His ministry popularity has grown tremendously. And many people begin to believe based on what they observe. They see sick people being healed of diseases. They see possessed individuals being delivered from demons. And because of what they observed, the multitude began to seek Jesus. And this is where chapter 5, verse 1 starts from. Let me read that from you for you. New King James Version puts it this way. And seeing the multitude, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. This particular setting is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, this sermon is not intended for unsaved folk. I want you to notice what it says in the text. It says, "His disciples, those." students those people those people that he called came to him the purpose of the sermon was to establish a system of principles designed to govern kingdom people kingdom people whose lifestyle was supposed to reflect their citizenship For those of you who maybe had the privilege of going to a foreign country, we may desire to speak that foreign language, but our accent will give us away because we are not from that country. It seems to me then that our speech, since this world is now home, ought to give us away. Let us know that we are pilgrims passing through. So, when our conversation sounds like the world, it's because we are citizens of the world. I ain't going to ask you to say man. I don't care if you do, because some of y'all can't agree. Kingdom people need to reflect kingdom citizenship. And in this passage, it applies to all past, present, and future individuals who acknowledge Christ as their king. This sermon of Jesus opened with what is called the B attitudes. The words in this sermon list attitudes of those who follow Christ and what their attitude should have. Another way of putting it is, The way the attitude should be, thus we get the term, be attitudes. Now, I want you to read chapter 5 of Matthew for yourself when you get home. I'm going to try to condense it because I know how you guys are. 25 years ago, I preached a 20-minute sermon, and y'all want me to preach a 20-minute sermon, so I'm going to go about 28 today, B.I.R. 2 has two parts. If you read the B.I.R. 2, it's going to say first word is blessed. Now, the two parts is affirmation. Affirmation is going to say blessed are. But then there's going to be a confirmation because it's going to say for theirs. In this case, this confirmation for. So if you read it, just get those God. Jesus is affirming one thing. He affirms their blessing. And then he's going to tell them why they're blessed or what the, the product of their blessing. There's nine kingdom attributes in chapter five. We're going to quickly go through them. Number one, those who are poor. God will bless those who realize their need for him. Not self-dependent, but God-dependent. So the poor in spirit of God is to recognize that I need God. Some are so whole mind, eye minded. We don't think we need God at all. Number two is those who mourn. God bless those who are broken So even though you're going through stuff right now, you feel sad. God is going to bless you. Number three is those who are meek. God bless those with a gentle and humble spirit, compared to those who have a prideful, arrogant one. Number four. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. God will bless those who seek after his justice. His justice. Number five, those who are merciful. God bless those who are kind-hearted toward others. Number six, those who are pure in heart. God bless those whose heart are like his. You can't be pure in heart unless you got God's heart. Number seven, those who are peacemakers. God bless those who seek peace in time of turmoil and conflict. Now stop right there for a minute. One thing I wish I had brought out in the marriage retreat. When we are in the middle of the war, do we seek to win? Do we seek peace? See, even in your own battle, you need to seek peace instead of trying to defend yourself. I'm moving on. Number eight, those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. God bless those who live for him in spite of opposition. I listened to Jesus this morning. She was talking about my school about how soul it is for somebody to give in because somebody make him more powerful to them. But God will bless those who are persecuted for righteousness by blessing those who live for him in spite of opposition. And number nine, God bless those who have reproached, King James had reviled, for following Christ. God will bless those who suffer for his name's sake. Again, I want you to read those and study those yourself. But the point of the Beatitudes is this. No matter what state you're in, no matter if you're poor in spirit, you're mourning, you, whether you're meek and you're getting stepped on, you're hungry and thirsty and, and you're merciful peace, uh, pure heart, persecute, it makes no difference which one you're in. You are blessed. Christ can uh, affirm that you were blessed. So if you're a Christian, say, I'm blessed. blessed. Therefore, our response should be thankful worship. That should have an impact on those around you. To demonstrate this impact to the followers of Jesus, he used two common illustrations. First one, he said, you are the salt of the earth. Salt not only seasoned. But it preserves; it hinders the spread of corruption; it creates thirst, and even will purify wounds. The second common illustration that Jesus used was, "You are the light of the world." Light enhances direction; it gives warmth; it provides security. But light has two sources. Natural source of light is fire, but spiritual source is Jesus Christ himself. But there is a problem with both salt and light. You see, our focus practice says this. It begins with, and it's emphatic, You are. It does not say you should be. It does not say you ought to be. It doesn't even say you need to be. It says you are. So that creates a problem. If you are salt and light, why is the world in a condition that it's in 25 years ago, I used visual aids for my first two sermons. To be honest with you, I can't remember the exact details of what order they were in. But I do know this. They did have an impact on the few people that was in attendance. So I'm going to use some illustration as we kind of look at the problems of being salt and light. First of all, salt. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be salted? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out, trampled, on the foot of man. Since I uh was diagnosed with high blood pressure some 35 years ago, I kinda been, you might say, a student of salt, because every time I go to the date always saying, you cut back on salt, you cut back on salt. So I not only cut back on salt, I began to use salt substitutes. They got stuff out there called light salt. Stuff out there called no salt. And all kind of other stuff. So I want to know what kind of salt are you. Okay, let let me kind of look at some some aids here. I got three containers up here. The containers are called salt shakers. Now, from where y'all are looking at, y'all probably can't tell the difference. But on closer observation, if you get up real close, come up here there and I say i was going to use you anyway. Look at these three and tell me if you can tell a difference between the three. Close your eyes. Okay. See if you can, you can tell the difference between the three. This one's different from the other two. Okay. All right. By visual observation, Mr. Darren Gaiman can tell that this is different. Because this really ain't salt. It's sand. And the only way you're going to distinguish this is sand versus salt, you got to get up close. So what I'm saying is sometimes y'all may be acting like y'all Christian, but let somebody get up close to you, and they'll know the real deal. Thank you, brother. I was going to let him do something else, but I don't know his condition, so I'm not going to do it. Mr. Gabriel said, that's not salt. What about these two? He can't tell no difference. I can't either, but I guarantee if you taste them, you can, because one of these is sugar, right here, and one of these is actually salt. Now, if you want some salt on your potato or your boiled egg, and you begin to pour some on there, you're going to get surprised because the reason you're going to tell the difference between salt and sugar, you got to taste it. The Bible said, oh, taste and see See, people may think you something, but when they get up close to you and talk to you, they can taste exactly what you are. We got a problem, but neither we still got a problem, G. Got a problem, Brandon. Because this is real salt. But if I got my egg here and the salt here, the salt ain't doing no good in the shaker. All right. All right. All right. You see an only way to get the salt out is I gotta turn it upside down. God is trying to do something to some of y'all. Some of what y'all going through, God is trying to turn you upside down and then he's trying to shape something out of you. But not only are you the salt of the earth, Jesus also said you are the light of the world. As a problem. Let, let me read the scripture before we kind of look at the problem. Verse fourteen: You are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor do the light. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand to give light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, before men, that they may see your good work and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's look at some sources of light. Mm. First one, match light. Remember the this thing here is your light is your response. Match light. This little match ain't doing nothing until some friction starts. In other words, some of y'all light don't shine until y'all got trouble. You got some friction in your life, you start real fast. But as soon as your trouble is over, okay, y'all, 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 all right, y'all said that ain't me. Some y'all can see it. Then we got Lana light. You about a Lana? It's designed to be carried. It cannot go anywhere on its own. Somebody's got to pick it up and carry it. You going to church today, I don't know you going. I don't know. Something happened. You got your light depending upon somebody else pumping you up. But a lantern requires a fuel source. And when the fuel source is not there, your light gone. Some of y'all ain't going to come to church unless somebody else come. All right. Say, so that ain't me. Oh, y'all can't say that either, can you? I know. I know. Then you got a candle light. Already got candles here. You notice that one already done went up. (laughs) One thing about a candle a candle needs a primer. Now, how many of y'all have been here for a while and y'all don't see us light these candles? We have several people come up and they go, You know why they can't do it, Kay? Cause they don't practice. That's why some of y'all can't worship. Right. Cause you don't practice. You ain't thankful. Hope I don't break it, baby. So once I get my primer going, I can light my candle. Nah, it's going to give me steady and low light. But without this to ignite it, it ain't going to ever burn. And then some of y'all, Jeff, I want you to kind of give me a little low light here. You got flashlight. This is, this, is, this is my little personal light. It, it it's by go It's real good. This little thing has a battery source. I got some that needs to be recharged or replaced. It's solely function depends upon what's inside of it. But there's a problem. I think Joe and about uh, three months ago this unit out here, this thermostat went out I called Bucky Holland to come all the way out here and tell me that the battery wasn't working. I don't know how much it costs, but it costs us something. But the battery on the inside of that thermostat had corroded. And the corrosion destroyed the circuit board. So not only did we have to spend some $200 for a service call, had to spend another $260 for a new unit For a $2 battery. What am I saying? If y'all let y'all battery stay in you and you don't turn it on, it's going to corrode and it's going to mess you up entirely. Keep them down. Turn turn them all the way down now. I ain't done yet. Next light is a lamp. A lamp light. A lamp light provides light as long as connected to a power source. All right, where's my power source at? Robert, you know where I can connect this to? Is there something back here? Oh, is something back behind the choir law? Okay, alright. Now Kay said I can't turn it on because it can't reach the power source. But 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 see here here's the thing. If I get an extension cord I got to plug it up to the extension cord. I need light even to see that, don't I? <laughs> All right. All right. Let me see. Let me see, baby. You see this bud, working. <laughs> Coffee don't my illustration gonna be blown. This teaches us that even in your thankful worship, even in providing a lamp because you are the light of the world, you need some help. You can't do it by yourself. (laughs) Keep them down, Jeff. Keep them down. This is my Fishing light. It's the light I use when I go fishing. This is a powerful light. It's designed to go long distance. But here's the problem with it. It's focused on one individual. Sometime in our worship service it depends upon who's here and who's not. But if you put it up and focus on the one individual, something will happen. You'll see something going on. That's a spotlight. All right, Jeff, you can turn back on now. I think I'm done. Bottom line, my brothers and sisters. Our response to God's blessing should start with a heart of thanksgiving. demonstrated in a spirit of worship. But salt serves no purpose unless it's shaken out of the box and used. Likewise, light is no good if it's not shining. Light is no good if it's hidden. It's only good if it's on display. So in closing, there are too many Christians with dried up salt. There are too many Christians with tasteless salt. There are too many Christians with dead batteries. There are too many Christians with burnout out bulbs. There are too many Christians that need priming. There are too many Christians that depend on outside source and there are too many Christians not plugged up to the power source. This causes their light to be ineffective and unusable. But there's only one thing that's worse than having an unusable, ineffective light. When I was trying out for the football team at Howard High School some years ago, Coming down to the cut list, my name was called. I mean, go figure. Four foot seven, 110 pounds. And they cut me. And I guess the coach could see my disappointment. He said to me and all the Cuddies, there's only one thing worse than a failure, and that's a person that never begun. So there's only one thing worse than having unusable, ineffective light, and that's having no light at all. There may be some here today that don't have a light. But I'm going to offer you the one who said, I am the light. No man come to the Father but through me. I want to offer you the light of the world. If you will stand with me now. A simple prayer. You see, this is another thing about the goodness of God. He makes salvation so simple. A simple prayer that is believed can save you. I mean, it's so simple. Just the fact of knowing that if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, you can be saved. Believing it, trusting it. And God will get you out the salt shaker. He'll get your light on. So just repeat with me. Lord Jesus, I, let's together. I believe that you were raised from the dead. Thank you for your promise of mercy, pardon, and eternal life. I acknowledge my sin, shortcoming, and faith. I ask for forgiveness. I would like to see Jesus as my Savior today. Lord, turn on the light. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.